Good morning. I cannot tell you how good it is to see your faces this morning. And it is also good to be with you online, and even though I can't see your faces, I can pretend that I can see your faces. I have an announcement that we are going to start off with uh, about um, the deeper experience that is coming up on Thursday. And I'm sure the first question is, what is a deeper experience? So let me explain that to you. Um, can you imagine watching a show on your streaming service? So you sit down to watch a new show. Can you imagine watching episodes 1, 3, 7, and 12? I think by the time you got to episode 12, you'd be really frustrated because there'd be so many things that you did not understand about the plot or about the characters, or about what's going on. And I think sometimes when we come to God's word, we operate um, in that mentality. We, we hear this message, we hear this message, we hear this message over here, and there can be stuff that happens in between that we don't, we, we don't know, we haven't connected with, and so when we hear something that is building on other teaching, we can leave a little bit frustrated. When we come to a book like 1 John, it's a letter that was written from start to finish with the intention of it all being heard and understood. And so this Thursday evening, what the deeper experience is, it is the book of 1 John in one shot. And so Pastor Joe is going to be going through it starting at 6.30. We're going to go through 9.30. We're going to cover all five chapters, and we are really excited about this. And we invite you to join us. It's going to be available here in person in this room, but it's also going to be available online if you're not be able to make it or you have kids and and you get them in bed, we totally understand. But we want to make that available to you so that you can better understand what John is writing in God's Word. All right, so we are going to now have a picture that's going to go on the screen. But before the picture goes on the screen, I, I need to tell you about the three, three types of people that are going to be in the room. Um, the first type of person that's in the room is going to see the character or the picture on the screen. They're going to know who it is. Okay? The second type of person in this room is going to see the, the picture of the person on the screen and they're going to have absolutely no clue in the world who that person is. And then there's, there's group three. And group three are those people that see the picture, they know who the per picture is, and they know who the character is, but they will never admit to anyone that they actually know who it is. Okay? So let's, let's see this picture. Anybody know who this is? All right, so either, either truly everyone in here, this room is here is number two, or we have some number threes. Now, I would be number three, except for the fact that I actually have to tell you that I know who this is. And this is a character by the name of Brother Love, okay? Brother Love. And look at that hair. It is so slicked back and perfect. And look at that smile on his face. He is so happy to see you. And look at that suit. It is so clean, and look at that flower, like he's just filled with love for you. And in fact, he, he tells this to you often, and he says it in a great southern accent. He says, I love you. And it's as swarmy as it sounds. You see, he's a wrestling character. And in fact, he's a wrestling bad guy. He is on camera, supposed to make you angry. He looks like the television preacher, and he sounds like the television preacher, and everything is put together, and it looks so nice, and he uses the word love a whole bunch, and then every other word that comes out of his mouth is vile. He wants the destruction of his enemies who are the good guys. And so what in the world does this have to do with 1 John? Well... 
I think, unfortunately, we all got a little brother love inside of us. I think we all sometimes know the right words to say. We know how we're supposed to act. We know the airs that we're supposed to put on. But every once in a while, that person comes in our way. That, that brother or sister steps in our path, and we are just filled with anger. We are just filled with resentment. And sometimes that spills out. And I think what John wants to tell us today is that that's not the way that it should be. That we shouldn't be like brother love. So I invite, with you, I invite you to turn with me to the book of 1 John, and we're going to be in chapter 2. And we're going to uh, primarily look at verses 7 through 14. But like I mentioned earlier with the deeper experience, to fully understand what's going on in 7 through 14, you, you need to pick up a couple of things from the past. In verse 3 of chapter 2, he says, We have come to know him. We know we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. And in verse six, where we start, it says, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way which he walked. And so if we are going to stand up and we are going to claim that we abide in Christ, we are going to walk as Christ walked. That is the setting for our passage, and it leads us to our big idea. And what a big idea is, is this is what we want everyone to be able to walk out of the room with. And so I think if we understand that we are to walk in the light of who we are, of who you are, that we will have understood this passage well. And so to do that, we, to walk as Jesus walked, we're going to need to remember three things. John is going to remind us of three things in this passage. And the first one is this. We need to remember the old, new commandment. Remember the old, new commandment. Now, that's kind of some strange language. Let's look at why we say that. Let's look at verse 7. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. And so John uses a little bit of confusing language there for us, but what is he saying? He's writing to a group of people that are being led astray. There is other teaching that is coming into the church, and they're saying that some of what you know is true, but there's other new teaching that you really need to know to understand what's going on. And John's wanting to fight against that teaching. He has fought against it with sin in chapter one, and now he's fighting against it in love in chapter two. And he's saying, this is not a new commandment that I'm giving you. What he's really saying is, I'm not making this up. I'm not giving you something that I think you're going to be comfortable hearing. I'm not giving you something that is more palatable for me. No, I am giving you something that is old. So what is the old commandment that, is he refer- that he's referring to? Well, Jesus talks about love. The, the whole Bible talks about love. In Leviticus 19.18, love your, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus gives the greatest commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. What, it, what is the referent here? Well, because of the language that John uses with the word new, the new commandment, I think he's talking about words that John recorded in his gospel in John 13, 34, and 35, where Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. 
you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus is here, is beginning his final push toward the cross, and he's got his disciples with him, and he wants them to understand that one of the hallmarks about being a disciple of Christ, one of the hallmarks of leading in his church is going to be the way they interact and treat the people that are around them, their brothers and their sisters. They will know that you belong to me by the way you love one another. And Jesus says it's a new commandment. So what is it? Is it a new commandment or is it an old commandment? Yes, it is a new commandment because Jesus said it was a new commandment. It's an old commandment because it's from Jesus and not from John. He wants them to remember this old, new commandment. Look what he writes in verse eight. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to which is true in him. We have seen it play out in Jesus' life He was a person of love, but it's also true in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Now, he's going to say some hard things in these next three verses, but I want you to pick up what he said there. It is in you. The light is shining in the darkness when we practice this old, new commandment. We are called to remember it. The second thing he calls us to remember is the distinction of light and darkness. We are called to remember the distinction of light and darkness. You cannot read the Gospel of John and not walk away that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. It says that he is the light of the world. And then you come to John, and if you remember a couple of weeks ago, the the curtains were closed and and the lights were out and and Joe stood up here and and you couldn't see a thing, but then as he read this passage in 1 John 1, 5 through 10, he clicked the light on when he was talking about the light. And when he clicked about, when he talked about darkness, he clicked the light off and it was dark again. And we are to understand in the book of John that there is this massive distinction between light and darkness, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. And if that we claim to be without sin, we are in darkness and we lie and we make him a liar, but even when we do sin, that he is, um, if we confess our sin to him, he is faithful and just and he will forgive us from all unrighteousness and we can move toward the light. But that light and dark relationship is not just between us and God, it also involves the way we treat one another as he is going to point out here in these next few verses. He starts in verse nine, he says, whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. And so if you claim to be in the light, as he is in the light, but you hate your brother, you're actually in darkness. Now we don't like that type of thinking. We don't like the thinking that you are one or the other. We like this kind of middle ground, right? We like to think of life as a spectrum. How are you doing in love? Well, I'm about an 80% in love. I do pretty well. And when I'm around these people over here, I love them really, really well, but these people over here, I can't put up with them. I can't deal with them whatsoever, and it's okay, because I'm, I'm mostly over here on this side. 
And that's really convenient for us to think that way, but John really doesn't draw that distinction. No, he says there's, there's light and darkness, and if you claim to be in the light, but you hate your brother, you're actually in darkness. He continues in verse 10. He says, whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. And so if you, if you are in the light and you love your brother, you're in the light, and it says there's no cause for stumbling. That word is scandalon. It literally means stumbling block. We get our word scandal from it. You have no scandal in your life to trip over when you are walking in the light and you are loving your brother. And that is what John is calling us to. But in verse 11, he shows that that's not what we all do. He said, whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. They are tripping over that scandal, that stumbling block. They are going around in the darkness as if they can't see. And that is what it is like when we claim to be in the light, but we hate our brother. And this is hard. And it's not just hard for you, it is hard for me. And we can always just say, you know what, 2020 has been a really hard year. There's been a lot of stuff going on. But this wasn't written in 2020. These people all these years ago had a really hard life that they were doing too, where they struggled with loving their brother. And it was hard for me to love my brother in 2013, in 2017. And it was hard to love my brother and sister sometimes in 2020. There is so much division and there is so much stuff that, that can divide us where we can think that it's okay, that I'm standing on something and I can, I'm fighting for something that's good, but if you are fighting for something that's good at the cost of your brother and sister, I think John would tell you you might be in darkness. And I know what comes in my mind when I get emails or phone calls. I know what comes in my mind when I roll on social media and I see stuff and you see the stuff that you really like and stands out to you and you feel really good and you feel that they're, they're doing the thing that they're supposed to do, but then you see that one that just irritates you. It's on the other side and you just want to go at them because you want them to know they're wrong instead of wanting to know them to know that they're loved. I fail at this. You know, early on in 2020 when, you know, we're trying to figure everything out and just tons of stuff are going on in our world, I had one of those awesome conversations, right? It was like the intersection of the pandemic and politics. It was glorious, okay? And I was talking with someone who was near and dear to me. And they said something that at this particular moment just broke me. Like, I, I was just mad. And I am known as this flat line, okay? I don't get up, I don't get down, and I just, I lost it. And I told them every reason why I thought they were wrong and why I thought that they were, you know, in error and sinning and why they needed to confess and you don't use that language with me again. I just, I said everything I needed to say to this person. And we got off the phone rather awkwardly and for about five minutes I felt awesome. And then that little conviction of the Holy Spirit started and it was you didn't treat that person with any honor or love at all. So I got on a text group with some of my friends and I said, hey, I, I have this person in my life and I did not honor them and I did not love them and I need to make it right. Will you, will you ask me about it in 24 hours? Because you know, sometimes you just need that accountability. And then I called that person the next morning 
And I said, hey, you and I might not be on the same side of, of whatever the issue was. We, we might not see it the same way, but here's the thing. I am called to love you more than I am to love being right. And I, when I said these things to you, I did not treat you with honor. I did not treat you with respect. I did not treat you with love. And I am sorry. I am wrong. And will you forgive me? And man, that is humbling. But in grace, she did. She forgave me, and we have restored relationship, and it was, it was good. It is so good to see you guys. It is so good to gather in this building again. And we were here a couple of weeks ago with 100, and we're here this week, and we can have 300, and we even petitioned for the ability to have up to 500 in here, and it was granted. And we're so excited about this process of starting back. But here's what we know. We know that along the course of this pandemic, along the course of all the decisions that have been made, that there have been decisions that people have agreed with. They've written letters and, and stopped us and they've, 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 they've called on the phone and they've told us, hey, thank you for doing it that way. And we've, we've had people who haven't agreed with us. We've had people who have had emails and phone calls and one-on-one -on -one and have voiced their displeasure and what, what do you do with that when you open the doors and some of the people who used to come in, they might not come in again. We love each other. We're not called to agree on every issue. We're not called to think the same way on everything, but we are called to love one another. We are called to love our brothers and sisters because by the way we love one another within the church, people outside the church are gonna see that and know we belong to Jesus. And when we do this, we are walking in the light as he is in the light. And so we are going to have grace and love for everyone. And we are going to lead with grace and love because that is what the scriptures and our Lord calls us to. And we can forgive. And here's the reason I know we can forgive. Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind and compassionate to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. And if it stopped right there, that would be hard enough. But then he continues and he says, forgiving one another just as in Christ God forgave you. The reason that I can love you is because I have been deeply loved. And the reason I can forgive someone else when they offend me is because I have offended God so much more than you could ever offend me. And yet in his love, he has covered my sin through the blood of Jesus. And you can forgive me and I can forgive you and we can walk in love. So let's be real honest. That's hard. And that is heavy. And it makes it all the more special to me what John is about to do. You see, he has one more thing he wants us to remember. He wants us to remember the old new commandment. He wants us to remember what's going on with light and darkness. But then he wants to remember who you are. He wants you to remember whose you are. Because we are tempted to believe that we are the person we are on our worst days. 
We are tempted to believe that we are the sum of the mistakes, those posts that we made that we shouldn't have made, those things that we said that we shouldn't have said, those things that we did that we should not have done, but we are not those things. No, we are who he says we are. And so picture an elderly apostle standing in front of a church while this letter is being read. Picture the heart of a father for his children after telling him this hard stuff about sin and about love. Listen to what he says to his audience. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you young men because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you children because you know the Father. I write to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. These are such affirming words from the apostle. And there's a lot of stuff going on in these verses and we don't have time to get into all the technical aspects of about it, of why certain languages use or certain titles are used or why it's very repetitive, but I think he wants to emphasize who you are. So look at what he says. In 1 John 2, 1, he writes to my little children. Here in verse 12, he says, little children. I believe this is something for all of us, men and women, everyone in the audience. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. All of those times that you have stumbled on something, that is not who you are. You are someone who has been forgiven. And it wasn't even for our own sake that we have been forgiven. We have been forgiven for his, for his glory. And because of how great he is, we have been saved to be a kingdom set apart for him. And you are in it. You are a son and daughter of the king. He says he writes to fathers. I believe this is people in the audience who are more spiritually mature, a little more seasoned. He says, I write to you because you know him who is from the beginning. You have this mature relationship where you know the father. And it echoes John's words for me in chapter 14 of the gospel where Philip says, show me the Father, Jesus. Just show us the Father. He says, Philip, have, have you not understood that if you have seen me, you have seen the Father? And if we know the Son, Jesus Christ, we know the Father. 
I write to you, young men, or people who are still very much in process with their Christian life because you have overcome the evil one. Do you ever get trapped in that temptation when you stumble, that trapped in that temptation and when you sin, that you are defined by it, that it is who you are, that we make ourselves slaves again to something that has no power over us? He says, you have overcome the evil one. You are no longer a slave to sin. You are a slave to righteousness. This is who you are. I write to you children because you know the Father. I write to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. And I write to you because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. If you are in Christ, you are strong. You are not strong because of how much you can bench. You are not strong because of the things in this world that you have. You are not strong in this world because of anything you can supply of yourself. No, you are strong because he has put his strength in you. And by the spirit and by the word of God that has been invested in you, you have the strength to overcome this world. You have the power to walk in the light as he is in the light. And so we have just walked through verses 7 through 14. And I want to very quickly just go right back through it the opposite way. Because I think when we do it the opposite way, we understand it a little bit deeper. When we remember who we are when that is foundational and a bedrock in our lives, when we remember who we are and whose we are, that helps us to walk in the light. We are children of the light because he has placed us in the kingdom of the beloved son. And when we walk in the light, we have the power then to remember that old new commandment and to love one another And when we remember who we are and we have that light and love of Jesus that is invading our hearts and is going out and shining out through us, we truly then walk as Jesus walked. And so as you leave here today, as we get up and are sent back into the world, I want to remind you of who you are because there is a harvest out there there is a world that is hurting. They are hurting physically. They are hurting mentally and socially. They are hurting spiritually. And we have an opportunity by the way we get up out of here and remember who we are to walk in the light and love of God and to go out into his harvest and bring in those who need to find and follow Jesus. May who you are define you as you walk out of here. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this message from John. It is so good to know that someone who was with Jesus, someone who saw him and heard him and touched him and walked with him has recorded this message It is not just some story that is made up. No, it is the truth that came from the word of God. And so, Father, I pray that that truth may penetrate our lives, that we might understand that we belong to Jesus, that he has purchased us with his blood. 
that he has freed us from sin, death, and the grave. Father, I pray that we would walk in his strength, that we would walk in his light, that we would walk in his love, that those around us might come to see and know who you are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.